Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast for water treaters by water treaters, where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. Trace Blackmore here, your host for Scaling Up H2O. Folks, it's a brand new year, 2019. Where did 2018 go? Well, today we're going to be talking about an issue that if you are in business, in any business, you have had this issue. And of course, the issue is where do you find the right people to help you grow your company? In fact, that is a question that I personally am dealing with right now. So as a business owner, as a water treatment company business owner, what is somebody like me to do when I want to find new water treatment professionals to hire, to train, to bring into part of my company's culture? Well, there's a whole bunch of things that we can do. We can use social media. We can start posting things at local colleges. We can go to job fairs at colleges. We can use different services that cater just to the job market like Monster and Indeed. And I'm sure there are dozens of things that I am leaving out one of the things that I didn't mention, we're actually going to talk about today, and that is using a service to help someone like me, maybe somebody like you, find talent in the water treatment industry. Now, many of the listeners out there might have had experience with using what I like to call a headhunter, and there are lots of different terms for that, but we're going to use the term headhunter. So I've asked the question when I meet with water treatment business owners, what are some of the experiences that you've had with headhunters? And I have tried to make some questions to try to educate not only myself, but the Scaling Up Nation on what it's like to work with somebody who's out there looking to bring somebody new to your company. So folks, I hope you enjoy my interview with Chase Squires. My lab partner today is Chase Squires of Spencer Ogden. Chase, how are you today? Trace, I am doing absolutely fantastic. How are you this morning? I am doing very well. I want to thank you for coming on Scaling Up H2O. And I know that the audience has a bunch of questions for you. I know I have a bunch of questions, but I wanted to start out with asking you to tell the Scaling Up Nation a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, uh, yeah, I work for a company called Spencer Ogden. Um, what we do is pretty much specific to the industrial power and energy staffing world. Um, I actually specifically focus in the water and wastewater and kind of part, part of that environmental space. But, you know, obviously within the water treatment industry, quite the, the growing nation, um, you know, when it comes to it. Um, and that's kind of what I do, work with clients on a on a regular basis to help fill their needs uh, when it comes to either project hiring solutions um, on the backside of, you know, working with executive level professionals, um, trying to bring in, you know, the top talent for them and trying to help them uh, grow their business as strategically as possible. Now, the term that I'm familiar with, and I don't know if this is a pejorative or not, so I'm just going to say it is headhunter. Is that an appropriate term? <laughs> um, not necessarily because it is a part of my job. So let's talk about your job. What is the day-to-day of your job? So I guess it starts with actually getting clientele. 
I'm consistently and constantly on the phone reaching out to new corporations, new companies, whether they be startups or whether they be, um, you know, 50 years in the making to try and understand what they're struggling with when it comes to hiring needs. So working with, you know, companies that need water treatment operators on the backside of needing project managers, but going through the entirety of um, what I like to call the project life cycle, you know, all the way from the design phase to the O&M phase of whatever it may be. And that's what I do on a regular basis is understand what struggles these companies have and then strategically finding an avenue or a way to get around those barriers and help fill the void for them. So needing personnel on a large basis, whether you need, you know, kind of 15 to 100 individuals over the course of, you know, a, a time frame for, the, for their needs specifically, you know, that's what I'm trying to figure out. And that's where I'm working with my team to strategically implement hiring strategies around that. Now, I'm actually right now looking for two individuals to join our team. Are we too small to work with you? No, not at all. You know, working with companies of all sizes actually creates quite a bit of, I guess, creativity from my perspective. You know, I, I do work with some some very small companies. I mean, just about 50 to 60 employees around the nation and helping them with one or two needs on an as-needed basis. So you work with anybody who has a need, anybody who is looking to add talent to their businesses. Certainly. Uh, of course, you know, from, I guess, a, a business standpoint, you know, I am trying to work, you know, specifically with medium to larger size companies because of the, you know, the volume of needs that they have. But when it comes to these smaller conglomerates, it might be a very specific need that, you know, only a team like ours can kind of help staff for, if that makes sense. I think it does. Let, let's go in. You mentioned that you help people with problems that they're having. I will tell you the problem that we are having is finding the right people to join our team. And when I say right people, I mean people that are going to fit into our culture. Moreover, people that are going to help enhance our culture. And we look at things in order to make sure that the person is a right fit to our culture with, uh, do they live our core values? Are they motivated to learn? Will they get their certified water technologist? All of those things. And I got to tell you, it is extremely difficult. We are having such a hard time finding the right two individuals that want to come work for Blackmore Enterprises. And, and who wouldn't want to come work for Trace Blackmore, right? But we are having such an issue with this. So uh, why is it so hard to find the right people? Well, I, I think that's a tough question to answer, Trace, because there's there's quite a bit that you look for in a candidate, and there's quite a bit that they're going to look for in a new company to work with. When it comes to, obviously, the, the technical abilities in a position, sure, that's kind of black and white on paper. Can they do this job technically or not? When it comes to company culture, it's a matter of, is this candidate looking for the same, uh, I guess, goals and do they have the same ambitions that your company is experiencing or that your company is kind of driving towards? So when it comes to it, a company culture is quite a hard one to tackle because everyone's kind of looking for something different. 
I will tell you of an experience that just recently happened. I think we do really well in the process of interviewing and making sure that we find the right person. And again, our right person is somebody that adds to our culture. And then we try to align them in the right seat, meaning that they're doing the right job. An individual that we had, we thought we did this superbly well. He was doing very well. We have a training program here that is second to none. It absolutely will train somebody to get their CWT and beyond. He was doing very well with that, of course. He only lasted for three weeks. Everything was going great. He told us everything was going great. Then we came back from a holiday weekend and he said, you know what, this job isn't for me. And I'm thinking, what could we have done better? And I really don't know what the answer with that. What advice would you give me? Well, I'd I'd say one thing's for certain. Employees really want to love their job and they want to love the company they're working with. Obviously, that's just not always the case sometimes. They they really kind of just want to understand that what they're doing is valued and it truly does matter in quite a few different avenues for what we would almost you know kind of call employee happiness and employee happiness is is one thing i can touch on quite a bit because i think we've all been in a position where as much as we want to love the company it's difficult because there's certain things that can attribute to the negative beliefs or negative views you have on, you know, individuals at the company or the company itself. For this instant trace, I I think it's one of those things where maybe you could have asked some more questions to this individual to understand, you know, if something was wrong from, you know, their outside of work standpoint, or maybe something was wrong with what they were currently doing for you in that position. There's there's quite a few questions maybe you could have brought up to kind of understand more of what they were dealing with and then tried to work around that. That's definitely great advice. In my mind, I really felt that I did that. And when we asked him what was going on, he said, I just can't see myself doing this job. And the question I have for you is, what can we do differently? Part of our interview process is we have people do a ride along with us. So they know exactly what our job is because you know water treatment is so niche when you get into it. Even if people think they know what they're doing, they may not know exactly what they're going to be doing. So we make sure that they come on board knowing exactly what the expectations are and what they are going to be doing. Even after that, and he said, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. He said, no, this is not what I want to do three weeks later. Hey, there's times when you can't do much, Trace. And and hey, this is maybe one of those instances where you know he figured something out or she figured something out in her head and, and realized, well, Maybe I was you know, eager to get in this position now that I'm there. Maybe this isn't the best fit for me. So maybe there's nothing you could have actually done. It could have just been set in stone in their head that this isn't for me and there was no turning back from there. And I've had that happen before too. So it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's not necessarily controllable from, from your aspect. You know what I mean? Well, I I appreciate the therapy session. I feel like I should be sitting down or laying down on the couch (laughs) right now. But I I will tell you, uh, I'm the visionary of our company. And uh, my number one thing is to make sure that our culture is a place that people love to work for, that people look forward to coming in every day. And whenever I lose a team member, especially somebody that I really thought had everything that they needed to be successful, it just really, really upsets me. So I appreciate your counsel through that. 
Let me ask you, what are some of the mediums that water treatment companies are using to at least get their message out there that they have a position that they're looking to fill on their team? Honestly, companies are utilizing every aspect of the media outlets and the social networks. You know, you talk about LinkedIn and, you know, I think we all know that's a household name at this point, but companies are posting on their company LinkedIn pages, you know, highlighting, hey, we have a number of job openings. And, you know, at the same time, the actual hiring managers themselves are posting that same thing. Then, of course, you look at the, you know, company bulletin boards and, you know, that will have every open position that they, you know, could possibly need filling, um, you know, around the world. So it's one of those things where, you know, we can get into the, you know, American Waterworks Association job board that, you know, companies will have postings on there as well. But it's, it's a matter of these companies are utilizing every aspect to let you know, hey, we're hiring. Does anybody use the newspaper anymore? I remember when I first started in this industry, when my dad would advertise that he was looking for help, it was the newspaper. Does anybody do that? I can't tell you the last time I picked up a newspaper because I can get it online. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. And then, of course, there's services out there like uh, Monster Indeed. Are you seeing a lot of companies use those? Of course. Yeah. I mean, you'll see companies will have literally every media outlet utilized to their benefit. And that'll be LinkedIn, Indeed, ZipRecruiter. And then you can even go to the, the local or more government you know, job boards and companies will post through there if they have a municipal project going on. So they're, they're utilizing everything they absolutely can. And sometimes that's still not enough. I will say that my favorite way to find somebody new is when somebody comes to me and says, you know, I've got this water treater that used to work for me. Their wife got repositioned down in the Atlanta area and you really need to interview this guy. I love it when people come to me like that. And that doesn't happen very often. Well, that's, that's sad to hear. Believe it or not, it, it actually, uh, it helps me quite a bit. I mean, I think you and I can both uh, talk on you know, referrals trace as being easily the kind of number one trusted, you know, source to find another potentially relevant or, you know, technically inclined individual to fill a void. Yeah. And that's our favorite way, of course, to get sales when a current customer refers us to a new customer or prospect and says, hey, Blackmore Enterprises was able to help us with this issue. I've heard you had a similar issue. I bet they can help you out. So of course, that's our favorite way to find new talent as well. We had a conversation before we started recording that the water treatment industry is growing. So obviously new people are coming into the industry. How are they finding their way in? That's a a great question, Trace. And obviously with all of the different programs and kind of avenues you can take in college or in university are allowing a lot of individuals to kind of come out of college with this, you know, more or less perception of a specific niche in the industry that they can try and tackle and just really try and get into that space and once they're in, realistically, it's it's a matter of time until they just kind of make their way up into a industry leader role. I will say that there is a, a lack of actual water and wastewater treatment operators. 
And I think the reason for that is we had a, a big boom in the early 2000s, you know, when the government kind of released this, you know, kind of water uh, association push. And a lot of individuals were signing up for these programs to become a licensed operator. And that that's shifted quite a bit. You know, now we're looking at individuals coming out of college to be, you know, more or less project managers for water and wastewater infrastructure projects. So it's becoming very specific. And at some points, there's, you know, way more jobs open than there are actual people to fill them. And on the backside too, there's, there's quite a number of individuals that are looking for specific positions and they're just not there. Chase, one of the things that I personally do is I'm working with the Georgia Gwinnett College, which is a college very close to our office, and they have an environmental science degree program, and water treatment fits so well within that degree. And when I talk to other water treatment company owners, I find that more and more of their people have that environmental science degree. So that seems to lend itself very well to our industry. Are there other degrees that you feel work better than others? I wouldn't necessarily say work better than others, but you know, I can I could certainly rattle off how these, you know, some of these different degrees will line you up into really a, a great career path in the water space. Obviously, you brought up, you know, environmental engineering degrees. Well, you know, that can completely coexist with, you know, individuals studying chemical engineering or, you know, you look at electrical engineers at the same point. They they can all focus, you know, whether it be their concentration or whether it be just their time in general on water-related either pieces of equipment or water-related subjects, you know, within what they're looking to obtain as an actual degree. So I think chemical engineering is one of those degrees where you will see a lot of benefit because obviously in the water space, it's it's constantly doing pH testing and making sure the, you know, chemical batches and doses are, you know, pretty much to the T because of how, you know, how specific you have to be when it comes to that. So I, I think chemical engineering is one of those that is, is really going to take off. But you look at some of these other degrees and they're, they're quite, you know, coexistent, if you will. I mentioned this earlier when we spoke on the last question, but you've got some data that proves that the water treatment industry is growing. Can you share that with the Scaling Up Nation? Yeah, certainly, Trey. So I do quite a bit of case studies for some of my clientele at the moment and, you know, taking quite a bit of data from the different projects that are going on around the world and especially here in the U.S., the water industry in its entirety is still growing at about 10 to 12% year on year. And this is coming along with projects and the different companies that are really kind of making a name for themselves at the moment to where we're looking at uh, another 19% worth of growth going into 2022. And that's right around the corner, Trace. So I'm curious, as far as other industries go, is that tremendous? Is that average? Where does that actually lie? So at the moment, yes, that is tremendous. And I, I think the reason why it is, uh, I guess, so massive right now is because of what we're dealing with. Let's you know, just talk about California for a second. The amount of wildfires that are going on, well, that's not just you know, um, you know, sporadic as much as we truly wish it was. You know, that is coming with you know, drought and a lot of 
the government in California has implemented is immediately along the lines of, you know, how we're disposing of, you know, t- contaminated water. So it's, it's one of those things where we're looking at, you know, all the different ways to generate clean water for citizens and individuals in, you know, more difficult places to, to get that. And it's becoming, I guess, a worldwide phenomenon, how truly, you know, big the water industry is going to become. Well, as somebody that is so deeply entrenched in the water treatment industry, I am very happy to hear what you are reporting to the Scaling Up Nation. I bet. I bet. Well, let's ask the opposite of the earlier question. So we were talking about why do people get into the water treatment industry? Why do people leave the water treatment industry? So that's a great question, Trace. And uh, I think that kind of coexists with, uh, you know, how you find good people. I think individuals in the early stages of their career are going to be willing to jump to new companies and try and explore in new positions because they're just trying to ultimately understand more. And I think that kind of correlates with, you know, the the opposite of that with, you know, older individuals that, you know, are potentially coming from having a 20 plus year career already and just looking to ultimately maintain and kind of go with the flow in a steady position. On the backside of that, I think, you know, when it comes to individuals looking to leave their current employers right now, it's one of those things where employee happiness is, is again, I'm going to bring that up. It's so important. You know, if an employer isn't asking their their employees, you know, what actually makes them happy and what, you know, what at work makes them happy, you know, if it's something that they're doing on a regular basis that just completely, you know, throws them off, well, that's that's something you probably want to talk with them about to understand how you can work around that and turn it into more of a, you know, positive, I guess, work environment ultimately. Well, let me ask, what is the top advice that you could give to the Scaling Up Nation, especially the water treatment owners out there, the company owners, how they can make a happy work environment? I think one thing's for sure. Make sure that you are are paying these individuals what they deserve to be paid. If that's one thing that you're worried about is not paying properly, that's that's one thing that's going to really kind of bite you in the tail when it comes down to it because that's when these individuals are willing to make a jump to a new employer because they just don't feel that they're they're getting paid what they deserve. And I mean that comes to, you know, 3, 4, $5,000 more on a on a salary over the, over the course of the year, and that's really not that much money. So, on the back side of that, we we look at employee happiness again, and it's one of those things where you just want to make sure that you can include, you know, your employees in conversation, you know, whether that be you know, through management and, you know, new working order, you know, so all these things kind of play together to really create what you brought up earlier, that unique culture in a company where you feel like everyone can, you know, kind of chip in and really kind of provide that work environment that is like, you know, we're all on the same page. Well, that's definitely appreciated by this company owner. My number one goal is to make our culture the biggest thing over everything else. Every quarter we get together as a team, we go do something. We've done things like mystery rooms. We've gone out to eat. Just, I want to make sure that it is a a place where people enjoy coming to. And also every quarter, we do something called quarterly conversations. And this is where 
their direct line uh, of supervision will ask them questions about how things are going, you know, where do they see themselves going, but more importantly, what goals are they working on and how can we help them achieve those goals, making sure we're all on the same page. And when I conduct these meetings, my favorite question to ask is the inverse of the question that we all ask when somebody puts in their notice, which is the, the question somebody puts in their notice and we say, well, what can we do to make you stay? Well, during these quarterly conversations, my favorite question is, what would have to happen here for you to want to leave? And now we can fix it. I love it. I mean, that's that's something that every company should start implementing. You know, if you if you create this environment where every single person's voice can be heard, well, that's a great environment. That's something I would want to be a part of. So, well, I appreciate all this information. I know this is very helpful for the Scaling Up Nation. And uh, you and I were talking before we started recording about the Association of Water Technologies. I'm very involved with the Association of Water Technologies, and I got the privilege of actually speaking three times at this year's past annual convention. So uh, one of the things that came up and one of the things I was asked to do was moderate a panel of millennials in the water treatment community. And I started that off and it, it went very well, but uh, I started it off asking everybody in the audience to give me describing terms that would describe millennials. And it was not kind. There were some very negative terms that came up and why why do we have that mindset about the people that are now entering the workforce? And I guess my question really is, right now, as an employer, we're hiring over all the generations. We've got the millennials, we've got the Gen Xers, we've got the baby boomers. So do we need to look at hiring them differently? Do we need to approach them differently? Do they have different qualities? I hate to pigeonhole people, but what do we need to know about that? Well, that's interesting you bring that up, Trace, because there's actually, you know, some some studies out there that that talk about people being afraid of millennials because of what we have been brought up in. And that's, you know, the new uh, the new technology in this whole era of everything being online, which, you know, I think we can all understand not everyone is still used to that. So it gets to a point where millennials are are kind of a I guess, a, a monster of their own. You know, they are looking for specifics when it comes to positions. And I think it's funny because there's actually a statistic I read somewhere. When it comes to millennials, I think 70% out of uh, 2,000 millennials that were done in a, in a survey said that they would quit a job if it lacked high performance and didn't have fast technology. I think that's quite unique, No. I agree. I definitely agree. And I'll also let you know of a conversation that took place during the seminar that I just mentioned. There was a gentleman that was well-seasoned in the water treatment industry, <laughs> and he was sharing all his gripes that he had with every millennial on the planet. And of course, there were five millennials sitting up on the stage getting ready to answer him. But his issue was they were always on their phone and he would ask them a question and they would get their phone out. And in his day, he would go back and he would research it and ask people and go get a book. And the panel said, well, technology allows us to access this information instantly. 
So, you know, we now can at least have a baseline of the question you asked us, and now we can get back to you quickly, and that allows us more time to research. We're doing the same thing that you've always done. We're just taking advantage of the technology. So it's not necessarily lazy, it's just different. And I think that really stems to most of the problem when people think they're on their phones all the time, or they are lazy, or they can't walk away from their phones. Normally, they're being pretty productive on those phones. I think that's such a great point. Well, honestly, if if you're on your phone and you're not willing to answer someone's question, sure, that's just a little disrespectful. But when it comes down to it, you know, talking about millennials specifically and I guess what they can actually bring to the table, you know, look at all the water treatment plants right now. Almost everything is automated. And where are all these, you know, automation engineers and where are these, you know, kind of PLC control specialists coming from? They're coming from just a, you know, kind of few three to five years experience after perfecting, you know, this this automation softwares and the actual, you know, pieces of equipment to where we, we do need them. You know, and it's going to be one of those things that we're going to continue to need, you know, these individuals more and more as technology advances and as this, you know, automation specifically, you know, continues to, you know, to gain popularity and and really kind of take a, a step forward when it comes to these plan operations. So what advice would you give somebody like me to make sure that people of the younger generation are getting what they need when they come to work for Blackmore Enterprises? That's really going to be up to the questions you're asking, Trace. I mean, if you're asking every question under the sun around what makes them happy, what they're looking for in a position, whether that be specific to how many hours they're working, what their pay is, but that could also fall in line with you know the vacation time that they might be looking to obtain. It's always going to wrap around the, the big picture. And if you can make certain, you know, pegs fit in the, the, the square hole, well, that's going to be your goal. Do you have a process that you would recommend to the Scaling Up Nation for how they should hire? They should conduct so many interviews or they should do a phone screening before they bring somebody in. Anything like that? I can't uh, specifically talk around process because it, it is going to be different for a variety of different positions. We talk about a water treatment operator. I think two interviews, you know, over the phone and then an in-person should suffice. You should realize that, you know, that individual is going to be, you know, a good hard worker for you. You should understand their technical abilities. On the backside, you know, company culture isn't probably necessarily top of their list for what they're truly looking for at that point. You look at a sales professional, maybe you know a territory sales manager for RO or NF systems, whatever it may be. They're probably going to want to you know be more heavily involved in the culture and you know understanding around that portion to where I guess that the process for that sure it might be a little longer because you do want to make sure that they fit the company culture and that their goals and ambitions line up with the values of that company. Were there any practices that you've seen, and you don't have to mention any names, that were just horrible during the interview process that you can warn people not to repeat? I will certainly say 
it is the utmost importance to make sure you are in a quiet place with good cell reception. I, I will tell you there's there's been instances where I've heard the interview was absolutely terrible and the cell reception was, you know, I mean, wretched to the point where it was every other word you could hear. And from there, you know, my, my grade A candidate didn't get the position. And that was all just because, you know, traveling on the, the country roads, Great advice. And people might not think about that. They're thinking, oh, it's a phone interview. I can take that at any time wherever I am, but maybe you can't depending on the reception. Certainly. And on the backside too, Trace, you know, if, if you're showing up to an interview, obviously make sure you have what you need and you look professional. You know, I can't stress that enough. If you show up to an interview in jeans and a button down, you know, flannel, um, the other guy wearing a suit, yeah, he's probably just going to look a little bit better for the position. And that's just common sense. And I think we all know that. Well, you would think so, but it is amazing what candidates have come into our office wearing. So uh, I appreciate you saying that. And that, as an employer, that definitely means something to me. Hey, if you think enough to take care of yourself, you're going to take care of the company and our clients. So let's get back to talking about your job specifically. And I'm going to use the term again. I know you don't like it, headhunter, but I think everybody understands what that means. So forgive me. So let's look at both sides of that. So why should somebody like myself as an employer use your services? And why should somebody as a water treatment professional use your services? Well, what's cool about the company I work for specifically, Spencer Ogden, is we've narrowed our focus down to you know specific verticals in an industry obviously i i run a lot of our water treatment practices and when it comes to it i have different team members that specifically focus on different verticals in our space whether that be the commissioning portion whether that be the design portion whether that be the o&m portion so we actually specifically focus on those different positions within those, you know, those verticals, and then even further pieces of equipment in those verticals. All right. So specifically, what would I get from using an agency like yours versus using Monster or Indeed or LinkedIn? So certainly po posting on job boards is, is one thing, and you'll have individuals apply to those positions through those job boards, but they might not be exactly what you're looking for. That's when you're reaching out to a, you know, a company like ours and a specialty team like ours to where we will actually kind of go back into what you're saying, headhunting approach to where we will find the exact person you're looking for, whether it be around their specific you know, equipment experience, whether it be around just their, their general experience with certain companies. So taking that approach is really kind of getting into the, the niche market that we're actually in and finding the very hard to find individuals and pull them you know, from their current employers. What are some of the things that you do to make sure you're lining the candidate up with the right company? That's a great question. Um, and I think that stems back to, I, I think, what you've been dealing with, Trace, at, at Blackmore Enterprises. We 
are asking questions to these potential candidates around what their core interests are. If I'm talking to an individual for you know, a, a potential operations role, I'm going to try and understand what actual you know, equipment and what interests in certain equipment this individual has to where if it's a good fit for what a client I have is looking for, well, that's perfect. Then we can go more into the cultural aspect then we can go more into the you know the monetary value aspect and it's one of those things where you find i guess a specific interest that they have and if it lines up with what you know a client's looking for that's a perfect fit in my eyes well let me get down to a question that might be a little uncomfortable but i'm going to ask it anyway so uh, in working with employers i'm sure they love it when you find new talent for them, but I'm also sure that they do not like it at all when you pull talent from them. I'm going to kind of answer that question for you. I think we've talked about it at the top of this show. If the culture's right, if they feel they're being compensated correctly, it's highly unlikely that that person will want to leave an environment that they love being in. But I can hear people listening to this show, definitely people that I've met in the Association of Water Technology, saying, I don't like individuals like yourself because they always poach my people. What do you say to them? Sorry. Um, no, it's, it's one of those things where you know the, I, I can't work with every company that's out there, but the companies that I, you know, I do work with, I will certainly you know, never uh, approach employees at those companies to go work for another client of mine. You know, there's certain terms and, and conditions in place where, you know, you know, personally, that would never happen from my point of view. But when it comes to the, the companies that I, I am headhunting individuals out of, you know, it's one of those things where maybe I did try to work with them in the past, but you know, something just didn't work out. So it's one of those things though, where you have to look at the, the big picture everyone eventually is going to work for multiple companies. I mean, there's only a select amount of individuals that stay with one company for their entire professional career. One of the individuals that I have in mind specifically was sharing an instance that they had where they were working with a firm and the new team member just turned out great. They were with them for about three and a half years. And then that person, the individual, went to a new placement firm. And he, of course, was looking to drum up business. And he called that employee and placed him in another location. Um, is, is that something people should expect? Was that that the contract wasn't written correctly? What's going on there? Oh, I'm I'm not sure about that one, Trace. That's a, an interesting scenario, but uh, I I think that kind of lines up with uh, individuals' networks. You know how people connect um, on a regular basis. You know the the way you and I connected, Trace. The the way I connect with you know other candidates. If you become really close with someone and you leave, you know, a great company to go work for another company, wouldn't you want to have your your kind of you know partner in crime with you? You know, I, I would say yes, but it's one of those things where uh, that's, that's kind of tough. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, I, I will tell you that amongst water treatment owners, those are some of the fears that they have in working with individuals like yourself. See, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case in, in a lot of, you know, a lot of aspects. My approach is always trying to fill a void for a client. The individuals I'm reaching out to are 
you know, good fits for either the experience they're looking for or the equipment knowledge they have to where I'm not actually kind of thinking of where they're coming from. I'm just thinking of how they will be, you know, a long-term asset for the company I'm working with. Fair enough. Well, I appreciate you uh, addressing that. I'm sure that people are listening, have that question or similar questions. So uh, I, I do appreciate you tackling that with me. I did want to ask you, what's the difference with working with somebody like yourself versus a temporary agency? So I, I think it's funny you bring that up, Trace. So we actually do operate uh, a temporary business and you know, more or less the direct hire business, which I'm sure is what most of us are all familiar with. So what we do on the temporary side of things is kind of what I mentioned earlier, Trace, and that's you know tackling projects, high volume needs, you know around you know we'll just say an operations and maintenance service contract. If a client's taking over a facility, they're going to need you know 15 individuals, a good amount of water treatment operators and maintenance technicians. That's when we're going to take that that temporary approach and provide them with truly a, a temporary service. All right. Well, that definitely clears that up a bit. Now the question everybody wants to know, how do you get paid? <laughs> um, that's, that's a good question. When it comes down to it, I, I think you know, everyone these days has a, has a, a salary, but you know, certainly gaining you know, additional profit from the different styles of placements I do with clientele. You know, big, small, medium, whatever it may be, you know, you're just getting a little bit more on top every time you work with, you know, new clients and help them fill new voids. So for instance, you and I start working together, you help us place one of the positions that we are currently looking to fill. What is the expectation that you would get paid from us? And I'm speaking very general now. Uh, would, would we pay you instead of paying the employee and you would pay the employee? Would we pay you a percentage of what we would be paying the employee? What does that look like? A lot of times that's how everyone actually operates around, you know, working with staffing agencies is, you know, a percentage of the employee's, you know, annual salary. And, you know, what we would receive is, is a small percentage of that. So that's ultimately in, in the big picture, how that always works, you know, with all the different agencies. When it comes down to you know the temporary side of things, it's nearly the exact same scenario, but you know break it into an hourly rate. So you know we'll do a percentage on top of that hourly rate to obviously generate some type of profit, and you know over the course of a certain time frame that will that will end. So let's play out that scenario even further. Let's say you did a superb job finding the right candidate. And that person leaves after a certain amount of time. Is there any guarantee? So we actually do provide, you know, more or less like a sliding refund. So, you know, if an individual is not working out for you and you, you feel that it's, you know, kind of getting to the point where you just need to let them go and that's a, a month after, well, certainly what we'd really want to do for you is, is find someone to replace that individual. You know, that's where we become specialists, I, I think, is the, the, the really the foundation of this, because if we can't provide you with another individual, then, you know, that's really one of those things where this is just kind of a, a one and done deal. You know, that's not the approach that we're taking. The approach we're taking is, you know, we'll make sure that we find you the best individual. 
whether the first one works or not, you know, we will we will make sure that one sticks and one is exactly what you're looking for. And I'm imagining as we're going through this process, you're learning more and more and more about who and what we're looking for. And that just makes your job easier. Pretty much. And I think that goes with, you know, as time goes on, we're consistently learning more and more about each other and what, you know, each other's interests are and, you know, what you're looking for versus what, you know, a group of candidates might be looking for. And then figuring out how we can strategically, you know, take different approaches to really get to what, you know, what you're really looking for. And that's the end goal, you know, to get the perfect candidate to really serve as, you know, a long-term asset in a position that you're trying to fill. Well, what are some of the realistic, now I say realistic expectations that you and I should both have? Because <laughs> I know sometimes there's not realistic expectations out there. Sure. But now what should I have as an employer? What should you have as the person that's finding the person to place? So we have all the tools we need to find you the best talent. What we usually ask, you know, from from the client side of things, from from your point of view, Trace, is, you know, we want your openness, your honesty, you know, when it comes to setting up interviews, you know, how can we get the, I guess, the the proper feedback from you? What's that time frame going to look like? And how can we move forward and set up the next round of interviews? So what I always like to do is establish, you know, a very strict process with someone like yourself, Trace, to understand what your schedule is looking like going into the holiday season and how we can work around the different barriers to make sure that we fill, you know, an open position for you in exactly the time frame that you're looking to get that done. Chase, I'm sure you have better customers than others, and I'm not going to ask you to name names, but what are some of the characteristics of the best customers that you work with that somebody who's listening today can copy, can emulate, and have a great relationship like that customer? Honestly, Trace, I think it comes down to the trust factor. If I can trust a client with the the candidates I'm sending over, you know, knowing that they will provide me with, you know, immediate feedback and then coming from, you know, a direct line manager to then immediately, you know, set up first round, second round interviews, it's one of those things where working around tight timeframes and deadlines is one of those things that I experience quite often. And I can't stress enough how much of a burden it is to go a week without knowing how a candidate did in his interview. And it's one of those things where I, I go back to, to kind of deadlines and timeframes because a lot of my business operates around that. And so that's, that's one thing I can certainly say, you know, makes great customers from, from my point of view is being open, transparent, and kind of quick on the trigger for, you know, understanding each other's, you know, needs really. That's great advice for us to set up those expectations with somebody like yourself that we're working with. Now, for myself, let's say I was interviewing multiple agencies. What's a red flag that I should look for? And I'm sure you've heard some stories. Well, I I think that can go back to what we were talking about earlier, Trace. I mean, if you're working with a company and they're, you know, one of your best customers, but then again, you are reaching out to some of their lower level employees to try and have them work for another customer, 
that should be an immediate red flag. This is someone that's, you know, not taking my business seriously. They're trying to, you know, approach my internal employees and, you know, have them work with another customer of theirs. That would certainly raise some red flags for me. I think another one would certainly be the the lack of feedback as well. If if one thing is happening on on your side and you're trying to get feedback from you know myself when it comes to candidates we're potentially providing for interviews and I take a week to do so well what's taking so long this is this is what you're supposed to do for me so are there any statistics that are out there where using somebody like yourself versus myself as the employer just going online, using word of mouth, all the things that we spoke about earlier, that there is a better success rate using one or the other? I would certainly say the success rate can kind of vary. If you know someone uh, applies to your position, your job posting on Indeed, and they happen to be you know the best fit, well, there you just found your golden ticket. On the backside of you know really difficult positions to fill, you know that's one thing I experience quite often with with clientele I work with is the positions that they're trying to fill are very niche. You know it might be needing uh, equipment experience on a piece of equipment that was just recently released within the last two years. Those individuals are not going to be applying to those jobs. Those are individuals that you're going to hire someone like us to pretty much go and find those individuals for you. What is the one takeaway you want the Scaling Up Nation to get from this interview? I I certainly think that, you know, as an employer and, you know, as employees of, of a great company, continue to open up the barriers and, you know, don't, you know, don't keep people kind of, you know, stuck in their corner in a position. Give people room to grow. I consistently see, you know, lack of companies promoting from within. And I, I think that's one thing we need to you know, really kind of go back to because you've spent so long training them, because you've spent so long, you know, helping them grow, you know, why aren't you putting them forward for, you know, a supervisor role? Why aren't you putting them forward for, you know, a management position when it opens up? I, I think this, you know, growing from within, you know, culture needs to come back and it needs to make a big impact. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you coming on Scaling Up. I know you've cleared up a lot of questions that I had. I know you've cleared up questions for the Scaling Up Nation as well, but I do have a couple of lightning round questions for you if you can hang around a little bit longer. Sure. Hit me with them. All right. So my first one, and uh, the nation, hopefully you know as well that I am a huge Back to the Future fan. So you and I are getting into the DeLorean. We are setting the time circuits back to the very first day you started in this career. What have you learned now that you would give advice to yourself on your very first day? I would say uh, resilience is is one of those things I, I honestly... I should have started out with, you know, at, at, you know, tenfold. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where clients don't always want to work with, you know, a team like ours, but at the same time, you know, we, we continue to understand more and more about what they need to a point where we actually fully understand what you're struggling with to where we can actually be, you know, the best resource for those needs. All right. What's the last book that you've read? Ooh, uh, that's a, Tough question. I, I read so many articles. I, I've I haven't picked up a, a, a book in a while. <laughs> 
All right. What's the last article you've read? Um, the last article I read was actually about jobs in the water treatment industry. It's by Barbara uh, Falkenrath, and you could, I'm sure you could find it online, but it, it, it is literally titled Jobs in the Water Treatment Industry. And it's just a few you know, industry statistics about you know, operations, engineers, and how you know, training is you know, really implemented in you know, the university and college settings to help these individuals grow into uh, really a great career path in the water space. Very cool. I'll make sure to put a link to that on my show notes page. So when they make a movie about you, who plays you? <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to go with Jason Statham. All right. Fair enough. Action hero guy. <laughs> and then my final question for you, you now have the ability to speak with anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why? It would absolutely have to be Martin Luther King Jr. I've been asked this question uh, once before, and it really took me a while to think about it. And someone as powerful as he is, when it just comes to you know the the way he portrays himself and his beliefs, I, I think is just absolutely amazing to watch, and it gives me chills to to think, you know, hey, if I could have lunch with this guy, man, I, that'd be amazing. <laughs> That's a great answer. Chase, thanks so much for coming on the program and answering so many questions around hiring new individuals. Trace, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Folks, as I mentioned on the top end, I have never used a headhunting service, but I got to tell you, I like Chase. He seems like a very upstanding guy, and I really enjoyed my interview with him. It's my hope that everybody out there in the Scaling Up Nation has learned something. At the very least, you've come away with some questions that you can ask a headhunting professional on how you can engage in finding new talent for your company. Somebody once told me that hiring is the same exact word as scaling. And what they meant by that, they meant if everything was working perfectly in your company, you were going to multiply that out. However, the inverse is also true. So if there is an issue with our company, if there's a particular area that we have not resolved yet and it is an issue, that is only going to be multiplied when you hire somebody because we are increasing the lines of communication and whatever that issue is, it will multiply tenfold for probably every employee that you hire. So it is imperative that you have whatever position that you are hiring for completely ironed out all your policies and procedures so that way everybody is starting on the right foot and you can only have success that way. Of course, that's so much easier said than done. One of the things that I like to do when I'm working with some of my consulting clients is look at the various job titles that they have throughout their company Make sure that everybody understands, not only the owner, but everybody in the company understands why each one of those jobs is important, what the roles of each of those people that fill the seats of those jobs, and make sure that there is proper training and documentation so those people are set up for success. So if you are thinking about hiring somebody and you know that there is an issue in your company, I ask you to try to solve that issue before you bring somebody else into that issue. 
They're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to enjoy it. But if you can iron that out, you're going to find the right person, hopefully, and then they're going to be at the right company in the right seat because you have all of the right ingredients laid out for them. Folks, I want to thank the Scaling Up Nation because I've received a lot of questions around how do you find new people in the water treatment industry or specifically for your company. So this episode specifically is coming right from the Scaling Up Nation. If there is a topic that you want to hear about, please go to scalinguph2o.com. Let me know what that topic is, and I will be sure to get that on a later episode. Folks, thanks so much for listening to Scaling Up. I can't wait to come to you next week on Scaling Up H2O.